Hey, everybody. It's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hello. And today we are continuing our look at the life and work of Gene Wolfe by examining his masterpiece, The Book of the New Sun. Today yeah. we are today we're going over the second half, The Sword of the Lictor and The Citadel of the Autark. So now that you've read the entire series, mm. what'd you think? Don't do it in two fucking weeks. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> It's a lot to take in, huh? It, it is a lot to take in, and and I kind of wish we had, uh, you know, did one volume per week because each volume has a lot going on. Uh, it does. Sword of the Torturer. I mean, Severian. Shadow. Or, I'm sorry, Shadow of the Torturer. Uh, really, Severian sets down a very detailed narrative, and. And I see how 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 you can call him an unreliable narrator at at the end of the at having read the end of the book, right? Um, but I think up until that point, you can't call him an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. until you get to a certain point in the second volume. It's unreliable is a very broad word because I was thinking about this earlier today. He is not unreliable in the fact that he outright lies, though he does leave stuff out. Right. He's unreliable because he only reports what he sees when he reports anything at all. So, so whereas most, most um, novels of this sort are fairly omniscient from the, from the point of view of the author. Right. Um, Severian is not. Well, no, no, and and the novel is written as a first hand or first person account, and so yeah, you would only get yeah, but there's first that narrow accounts, vision, and there's first person accounts that still have omniscience, um, within them, where where um things that they don't have that the author or you know the point of view character shouldn't have um, access to. Um, knowledge, you get it anyway through other people, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. You don't get a lot of that in this, um, right? And and Severian quite often admits that he is quite ignorant of certain things that happen in the broader outside world. Yeah, but he does leave enough clues for you to piece together, kind of like the behind the the scenes things. Yeah, and there's been an awful lot of stuff written about that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you checked out Oltan's um, library, no, or um, any of the other myriad sites dedicated to these four books. I, I, I once ventured into a Usenet archive um, while we were doing Sword of the Lictor, and you know that's that's a you know it's it's, it's like the land Lictor. across. No, it was Sword. It was while I was reading Sword. Okay, um, that you know I've fell into the news group and yeah it's it's kind of it more yeah, much more so than the land across it is definitely a rabbit hole into wonderland yeah it is of, so, of sorts there's a lot of um it's hard to sift through a lot of that stuff because um just because like the the text of this these books is so dense and in some ways it's very obvious and in other ways Everything that happens is, is occluded. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a lot of fan theory out there that people make really good arguments for. Mm-hmm. And then it all falls apart at the end. There's definitely a lot of um, fitting evidence to fit theory going on when people um, discuss the Book of the New Sun. Like, um, have, you didn't happen to read the, there was a Usenet article about. Severian's lineage. Did you read that one by a guy named no, B Sharp? Did not. Oh wow. 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 And a lot of it is very plausible. Um, I guess it depends on how uh clever in his symbology Gene Wolfe actually went. Right. Uh, because well, what well, we all know that Owen I don't know how you pronounce <clears throat> that guy's name, the waiter. Right. Right. 
was Severian's father, right? Um, you, you finished the book, right? Yeah, but I don't okay. think that was the waiter. I thought that was the boat guy. No, it was the waiter from the tree restaurant. Uh, who's who gave him the note? See, this is why you got to read the whole thing because <laughs> it all crosses back and forth in its references. So the waiter slipped Dorcas a note, right? He never read that Severian and um, Agia read, right? And you're my mother returned, right? And Severian reproduced for her, you know, after after looking at it at a glance. So we don't know if the how accurate the copy that Dorcas read, right? Was well, no, no, we we we. I guess we just got to assume that Severian has. Um, Total recall, right? Right. But he only remembers the things he pays attention to. I am possessed of a perfect <laughs> recollection. <laughs> so I don't think he's, he was lying at all. But anyway, o Owen ends up being his father. That's why he takes him down to the um, dead part of the of Nessus to look after Dorcas. Mm -hmm. Right. But there's like so. In reading that, this guy is saying that because um, Owen said, "Well, he he sired a, a child um, with this uh, chatelaine whose name was Catherine, mm -hmm. with a K, which is an old-fashioned sort of name, right? Which also happened to be the name of the woman who played Catherine. I guess this is according to this guy, right? Uh, at the feast." The um the naming day or the you know the journeyman day right the masking day right so that was um his mom according to this guy mm -hmm. and apparently somehow he pulls two other children out of Dorcas's ass <laughs> right that Owen didn't know about that happened to be um well her because apparently there's this whole big incest curse going on with Severian because he slept. I guess because he slept with his grandma and didn't know it was his grandma, so he's cursed incense. I don't know about that. See, this is where it starts to like kind of crumble in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I, I, I read, I've read these books a lot, and I, there's incest. I mean, he definitely sleeps with Dorcas, who it definitely is his grandmother. All right, and he even goes as far as to admit it. You know, to the reader, and right. there's there he has no reaction to it whatsoever. It's like, well, it was good. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, he didn't know, right? And well, he didn't know like, at the time. Like we found out that he was going back for more, right? right? Right. Well, I mean, by the time he found out once and for true, he kind of right. went off on the thing. But you know, that's the other weird thing about Severian is. That he is such a quote unquote chick magnet. It's like every single time he meets somebody. Um, dear dear reader. You know, it's like it's like the whole the whole book of the new sun could have started with Dear Playboy. <laughs> I never thought this would happen to me. Dear Penthouse, let me tell you how I backed into the throne <laughs> After over the naked bodies <laughs> of every woman in New Earth. Earth. And, and, and it's... Severian was into pegging. Yeah, and it's it's very much, you know, a similar theme that happened later that we discussed in uh, Land Across, where the uh, the narrator of that story was just like women threw themselves at him. Yes. I wonder how much of that is embellishment and how much of that happened. You know, and for and for a a loosely disguised Christ narrative as uh, extremely loosely. Right. I mean, you know, hell, it got you got through through Claw the Conciliator and it was like, nah, I'm not even gonna bother with like metaphors anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and by and by the time you get to Citadel of the Autark, it's like they're just, I'm just gonna just flat out say Severian would be glowing. Right. Severian is Jesus. Well, he's Jesus, but there is like, you know, other myths that you could definitely attribute to Severian as well. Right. Like, yeah, I, yeah, there's a little bit of Oedipus in there. 
Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of Oedipus. It's true. It's true. Oh, it was my grandmother. Mm. <laughs> Ships in the night. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and the nature of his relationships, even after he is, uh, resurrects the spirit of Thecla uh, in within himself, which is explained that, you know, because he took part in the eating of the dead ceremony while holding the claw of the conciliator, that he actually brought Thecla to life inside well, his own body. I think that's what he tells himself, but really he is the con- the claw, the conciliator, the new son. Right. He because get, he doesn't need the artifact because everything's an artifact. I mean, more or less says that. Mm-hmm. Everything's an artifact. Right. Because right, everything the, is holy. The conciliator. So I took my boots off so I wouldn't have to, to you know, be shot on holy ground. Mm-hmm. The uh, every because he's the conciliator, he he reconciles the the heavenly realm and the material realm that enables him to pass through the material realm with a certain amount of ease to an extent. Right, and it doesn't hurt that every um, cacogen, which is the bad way of saying it, mm-hmm. um, no, that, that runs around on the face of Earth is like helping him along all the time like hey hey and the 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 other funny thing about uh sword of the lictor right is like everybody he runs into is a fucking autark wannabe oh well there's typhon right and his other head who doesn't want to be the autark um (laughs) yeah python Python. yeah python and typhon well actually typhon ends up being really important for the rest of the series if you decide to move on past the the new son right get into the long son because right. he um he created the generation spaceship that is the world mm-hmm. and you know the noah's ark to to rescue humanity right and um took the the brain uh, patterns of him and his family uploaded them into the computer system and they were the gods of world. Mm. Yeah, but you have to go into long sun, short sun, and uh, it all comes around back at you when you read it all. It's all like this big loop. Right, right. So really, it's it's one huge extended epic story. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's crazy. So so even even by the time you finish this, this the epic that is Book of the New Sun, you're really only maybe half to a quarter of the way into this story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, I think that it was meant to stand on its own. Right. And and it does. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you get into the long sun and you see the connections between um, Earth and the world, and then with the weird freaking time travel and interdimensional hopping that happens in the short sun, Right, it's it's just like if you want like a deep deep picture of everything, then then you got to read the whole thing. If right. you want the mostly deep picture, <laughs> um, just read these four. And if you want the the deeper than that, get the the book, The Earth of the New Sun. Right, which goes on to explain how he he actually saves the sun. Mm-hmm. Now, how much do you suppose of the uh, the the fan theorizing is based around having dived into the rest of the books featuring this world, uh, and then looping back into Book of the New Sun with the new evidence? I think it depends on the year of the of the post. To be right. honest with you, um, I know that there's some people who, and you get this in all fandom, that want to believe that everything that Gene Wolfe has ever written all takes place in one universe and work hard as shit to fit everything together. Um, everything is ever written into like some big mega story. Um, Ooh, which the is Gene, somewhat The Gene annoying. Wolfe shared universe. Yeah, it's somewhat annoying actually. But because just because Gene Wolfe is such a He's clever. 
Right. He's clever and he's and he knows how to tease people. And I don't think he is very um, prolific when it comes to dropping the dime on what he's done. He lets people figure it out themselves. I know he's confirmed certain things, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think he like got into like the whole like um, like somebody like Stephen King or um, what's her name, the Harry Potter woman does. Rowling. Yeah, Rowling with the world building. Yeah, who who will you know add on, add on, and confirm or deny fan theories and stuff? I think he just let it let a lot of his stuff sit. I might be wrong uh, because personally, as a fan, I don't get as deep into it as all that because it mm-hmm. just get, gets annoying in, in just any fandom. Um, it's more interesting in Gene Wolfe fandom than in a lot of other fandoms, but it's still fun. Right. Well, I mean, on the one hand, you know, it's like. It's it's kind of a trend, I would I would assert. You know, we're trying to link the entire corpus of uh, an artist's work or a group of artists into a uh, shared universe, trying to marvelize the whole the whole thing. Because I mean, people really like continuity, right? And 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 <laughs> it's it's you know, Marvel was really kind of the godfather of that, taking disparate titles and making them set in the same fictionalized universe where one event can affect another. Um, And I I think that it really brought, came back to the forefront of everyone's mind in that, you know, Marvel turned around and turned that into films that took that same theory. Right. Of, of creativity and put it into a, a film so much that everybody else decided they wanted to try to fucking copy it. But it's, it's funny because Marvel or the comic books mm-hmm. did it really, really well. Right. And it, the, the key, I think, with Marvel and Gene Wolfe as well, I think, is that it's not something obvious. Mm-hmm. It's little things like Spider-Man appearing in a corner of a Fantastic Four panel. Right, right. Yes. And then in a Spider-Man comic, you get the reverse of that panel. Right, right. Or, you know, um, or uh, Black Panther joining the Avengers. Right. Uh, for like six issues and then cutting out just little things. Not, not, I think when they drop the ball is when they start doing, you know, six month wide story arcs that involve everything. Right. I think then, then it, when it becomes event level, then it just gets to be overbearing and contrived. Mm-hmm. And I think Gene Wolfe, if it is all a shared universe, um, he did it really well because it's all subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, it might just be the the color that planets are described by, right? In, well, in two different books. I I honestly wouldn't put it past him. No, you know, that's the other thing. And that is that you can have a grouping of stories and novels and whatnot, um, like like Clark Ashton Smith, for example. You know, um, Hyperborea and Zoanthic are the opposite ends of our current Earth's timeline. Right, um, well, I, and and I would say that uh, so some of the some of the stuff of wolves are, you know, slices of the current timeline, or not our current timeline, as you know, there's no spot in Europe that could be called really considered the land across, but his own, like, you know, Earth Two, as it were. Right, uh, and, land across Transylvania. That's that's a fan theory. The land across is the land across. Yeah, but Transylvania actually translates into English as the land across. Right. <laughs> I don't think it's Transylvania. I think it's totally Transylvania. Um, but like with, with this, like it takes place so far in the future mm-hmm. that you don't even have um, landmarks that you can attribute any yeah i mean uh you're pretty everyone's pretty much sure that nessus is um in like argentina right um just because a lot a lot of the uh, the cultural remnants are south american Mm -hmm. but you know nessus isn't a city that exists now right there's no like modern counterpart and this is like a billion years in the future buenos aires Right. Or definitely definitely the southern hemisphere 
of of Earth, and because they talk about the warm North. Well, it's definitely in the southern hemisphere. Mm -hmm. the The ocean is uh, to the west, mm -hmm. um, and there's a river that that runs uh, south and west. And then later on, you find out there's a river that he's never heard of anything doing this running um, north and east, such as the Amazon. Right. So you, you get little hints like that. Um, you know, they drink mate, mm -hmm. which is, you know, a South American thing. And it's mountainous and like Argentina, that area, you know, yeah. Chile the, 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 has the Andes going the Andes, down there. Yeah. So. And so, there are ziggurats. Right. And and those are things that probably a, a gazillion years in the future, this keeps on getting more and more far flung in my mind, um, that might remain, you mm -hmm. know, geography. Right. Little bits of it. But even then, you know, the earth is cold, so there's probably more land then, then than there is here. Right. I mean, just because more, more um, water would be tied up in ice. Right. Which they also talk about. Mm -hmm. yeah. Speaking of which, how cool is the uh, last house that exists throughout time at different levels? That's pretty cool. That's a, I mean, that's a pretty cool concept. That's like the thing is like Gene Wolf, on top of the fact that he, he knows how to write and to intrigue people with his writing, just the style. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's got pretty solid sci-fi chops. Right. Which, you know, if, if it was... You know, if he was doing the same thing and not writing in in a genre that I'm interested in, mm -hmm. I don't think it would be as great of a thing, really. Other yeah, people, he might be, it might be greater for the world at large. He might have more um, fame than he currently has because he has been um, written off, so to speak, as a as a genre writer. Oh, genre writer, right? So, oh. so if if he wrote more. You know, if you wrote about whaling, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Or Iris Wakes, he would be probably more respected than he is. Imagine, if you will, in an earth where Gene Wolfe wrote detective novels. He, see, that earth is here. Oh, you have, oh. He has short stories that where he has um, a robot facsimile mm. or SB of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, but imagine if he wrote like straight detective that was novels. yeah straight detective novels. You know, Philip Marlowe. Imagine the types of plots and plans. Well, you should read some of these. I believe they are in. Um, I'd have to look to see which one they're in. Well, I will at some point. Uh, right now, I picture the cover. I just can't think of the title. Right now, I need a little bit of a break from Gene. <laughs> it is heady stuff. Love you, Gene, wherever you are. But uh, you know, we we decided to live up to. Severian came and tortured me for two weeks. All right, I, I was in my cell. <laughs> oh, your yeah. torture. You will read. The book of the new sun. This is the end, but first I will write it for you. Stories from the old hotel. I think that's the one. This is the third copy I have written, exactly the same as the other two. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that memory thing happening. That's right. But, but is it a perfect memory? Or because I mean, he's telling you that he's writing, you know, a second copy, right? And he's sending he us. He writes the second copy and he takes it with him when he goes to um, def defend Earth. Right. He's he got his or plan. when he goes to represent Earth in right. uh, hyperspace. Right. His initial plan, though, is to write the copy, seal it in a box, and just cast it to time and space to see where it goes. And of course, the copy that you're reading. Because the one being translated by Mr. Wolf himself is the copy that he cast into time and space. Right. So it went back a gazillion years. So is it or is it not the original version? You know, there's at least two versions of this story out there. One that was written, you know, 
after the events and one that was written after the version of events was written and then cast out. <laughs> and a copy of that first one would definitely tell us whether or not he's an unreliable narrator. Well, I guess you got to wait a gazillion years to get the one that is in Old Tan's library. In twenty in twenty five years, uh, a, a a lock at Gene Wolfe's estate is going to pop, and it's going to be another version of the Book of the New Sun. We're going to send uh, Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Geraldo Rivera, and we're opening Gene Wolfe's secret vault. <laughs> It is another copy of the Book of the New Sun. And everybody was going to want it in print immediately to see if it is any different than the first one we got. That's right. And Gene Wolfe would deliberately write it as different from the first one. He might at that. Um, I think, yeah, he might at that. But as, as humorous as it would be, I don't think any author has, has done such a thing. Um, yeah, I think Stephen King revised um, The Stand mm. and added a gazillion words to it. Well, not a gazillion. Um, and made it super extra long. But that might have been just adding the stuff that got cut out by his, his editor. Right. The editor, the first time the rights reverted to him, so he decided to publish the original version. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's not exactly what I mean, Bo. It's like, you know, deliberately create two copies of this there is there is a novel different versions of the same book right and and hold one back until a certain until after point you die. until after you die oh, you know, that way that way nobody, for for science fiction stories right so nobody can no reporters or podcasts or whatever can try to contact you and find out and you don't get bothered at conventions or whatnot or at the grocery store while you're buying your milk. You know, Mr. Wolf, Mr. Wolf, which version of New Sun? Shut up, kid. I'm trying to buy my milk. I like to think of Gene Wolf as being cooler than someone who would say, shut up, kid. Okay, then he would say something cryptic like, well, the clues are in the text. You just have to puzzle it out. Now, excuse me, I'm buying my milk. That That's probably more like it. But... You know, somebody who's there is a there is a novel. I forget the name of it right off the top of my head. That there is a quote unquote male version and a female version, kind of like uh, Resident Evil, kind of. But the only difference between the two books is one one passage, a single passage, is different. Really, and it's written in such a way that you can read it in any order. It's it's a strange strange concept. But I'm interested in taking a look at this book. Yeah, I'll I'll figure out what it is and hit you up. All right. That but works. but you know, I I think the 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 idea of fan theories is not exploited enough <laughs> by by the authors. We we now li live in a culture where a a genre novelist can do this. They can create a world. They can make it rich. They can deliberately write puzzles and whatnot into the books just to fuck with the fans. Well, I think they should because fans um, suck. Well, on the uh, on the whole, yes, a fandom does suck. As as an aggregate, right? Fans suck. Um, individual people, you know, some are good, some are bad. But just the 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 zeitgeist. That becomes fandom sucks, and Gene Wolf probably has like probably the the more obnoxious fandom, but the least horrible fandom. If that makes any sense, uh, it makes some sense. I can't see Gene Wolf's fan fans rioting at McDonald's uh, because the the uh, Terminus Est uh, replicas are no longer unhappy. I, I did not like the end. Of Citadel of the Autark, I demand you rewrite the entire Book of the Sun. Exactly. I think I, I think that that Gene Wolf fandom um, respects Gene Wolf. <laughs> uh, now, they might actually be the opposite of the normal fandom. 
because individually they, they are obnoxious and they come up with these like weird fucking convoluted um, round peg and square hole fan theories. Right. But as an aggregate, they're pretty cool. They are anti-fans in a well, way. Well, you're pretty cool for a fan of, <laughs> of Gene Wolfe. Uh, Thanks. Justin Steele's pretty cool for a fan of Gene Wolfe. Yeah, exactly. See? But, you know, I don't know about these um, guys on the Usenet groups who are like, no, yes, the Christ symbolism is there. Look, I'm going to do the Dead Sea Scrolls, scroll 36, right here. It says here, and this correlates to Gene Wolfe's book here. That's that what I'm definitely saying. Means that's what I'm saying. Obnoxious. Obnoxious. But that's an aggregate. You don't hear about Gene Wolfe fans requesting, petitioning him, demanding him to rewrite. Uh, novels because they didn't like the way they ended. We will summon the conciliator to raise thee from the dead <laughs> so, so I think you write a new ending. <laughs> I said good day. Matt said good day, sir. Here's my petition. 23 people type their name in a box. And put it out on a 20-year-old Usenet group. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> 20 it might be even longer right in the 90s <laughs> but overall overall the book of the new sun is a coming of age story yes i mean there are many ways to interpret this obviously the the, the savior christ symbolism is pretty heavy-handed but yeah it's a coming of age story right it's a story about incest it's a story about incest and and womanizing and and sword fighting and yeah it's and, just, it's and above all really you know it's a war story <laughs> i mean it all builds and builds and builds to go to this horrible war that's it's unwinnable. a political thriller it's unwinnable right. he goes north to fight against the the whatever became of us the americans Mm. You know, it, it's it's a war story. Um, it's a rags to riches story. Well, lot, you know, it's a lot of things. I, I honestly, I think they go north to Mexico to fight this war, and they can't go any further north because there's a giant wall there. <laughs> Actually, for, if you go any further north, you end up in the Badlands. There, there, those are the two fandoms that are together. Oh, really? No, no. No, but that would be kind of cool. What the Into the Badlands is yeah. uh, like is really to Book of the New Sun. They're trying to it's contemporaneous. Wow. It's just further. It's just further north. Interesting. They have all the flyers down there and up in the north section, down in Louisiana and whatnot. They just have it, motorcycles and kung fu. Right. And here's it, it's also a dying Earth story. Yeah. And it is actually structured a lot like um, Jack Vance mm -hmm. in, in that it is an overarching narrative that is divided into vignettes. And really, any one of these little vignettes that Severian goes through can be its own self-contained thing. I mean, yes, there are threads that, that cross through them, but right. like each little, little bit is an exciting little short story. Mm -hmm. Like uh, when he encounters the magicians with with um, his protege or you know his quote unquote son, baby Samaria, who, who may be his cousin or something, according to this B sharp guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it went there. Um, you know, that is a, just as a story. It's a really cool story, and you could take it out of the book of the new son and publish it as a short story, and it's great, right? And that that is how the dying earth works, you know, the, the Jack fan stories. Mm -hmm. They're they're very episodic like that. And really that's uh an earmark of a lot of classical science fiction. Right, right. It's, is is it's very episodic with mm -hmm. you know some overarching plots. Well, I mean you have to think that's where that's where the, the quote unquote golden age of sci-fi came from, the, the pulp magazines and the the serial in the movie theater. Yeah, of course. And, and of course. So so yeah, you you tend to think in that way where you write something in in an episodic fashion. Well, some people do. Well, yeah. Other people write these long 
narrative. They're I not didn't... vignettes. They're just kind of meandering. Right. And, you know, they haven't even finished them, and people want them to change the ending, that they had nothing to do with writing. Right. <laughs> the ending that was based on the, the logical outcome of a series of notes. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, that it just... It's one of the reasons why I really like Gene Wolfe is he packs so much information just laterally, horizontally into into his books. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not it's not just the story and the symbolism of the story, but it's like tributes to what has gone on before in that genre or the genres that he's trying to emulate. It's it's just really really good stuff, right? And it's one of those things that it always has reread value because there's going to be something that you missed the first time through. There's going to be something you missed the sixth time through. Right. And so on and so on. Um, Unlike some some other, you know, science fiction, fantasy writers and whatnot, where you you read it through once and you got everything that was there to disseminate. And then you can go, okay, you know, I'll put these, you know, these no longer bring me joy. So into <laughs> sorry. Yeah. But you know, the one thing the one thing that struck me is that how he decided to tie up the narrative with this kind of meandering, you know, he goes back to the Citadel, right? right. Which apparently which apparently he decides to take over for his own castle. He's like, ah, I'm gonna live here. Well, I mean that's where he grew up. Right. I'm the Altark and we I like how he uses the royal we and it's literal. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> and as you see, he just goes through these kind of like little small adventures. You know, he's out in the world much more than any of the autarchs that preceded him. Any of anybody who's ever preceded him. Yeah. He's, uh, except he's, for maybe Master Proliman. Right. And or or the the priest. Who has all the fancy inventions? Father Inring, who's yeah. really a, not a priest, but right. a package. By the way, B Sharp has implied that Father Inring is his real father. I mean, that I there you go. Or his real grandfather. Not really? the old man in the book. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. It's something to do with incest and aliens. Yeah. I mean, that's starting to get into some like ancient alien shit there. <laughs> You know, I, I think I've heard a couple of conspiracy theories that tried to prove that that Jesus is an alien. Because what they're really saying is that mankind in the super billion year far future can't do these things themselves. Right. But wait, that is what Gene Wolfe is saying because we lost all the knowledge of how to do it. So. Right. Right. We lost all <laughs> the knowledge. We, but we can't even have our. We can't even fuck for our own saviors. Mm-hmm. Nope. We gotta, we gotta have the the cacogens gotta come in and go. No, we're gonna tweak this and we're gonna tweak that. And it kind of reminds me of uh, Zachariah Sitchin's work with the the Anunnaki and Nibiru and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's kind of funny that when he first becomes the Autark, mm-hmm. and um, and he gets dropped off at the southern coast of uh, near Nessus, that um, the a couple of cockagens appear to him in their, you know, um, Malrubius and his dog tricycle. Yeah. <laughs> and they basically say, we're Deus Ex Machina. You've had Deus Ex Machina your entire life. And all good <laughs> stories have Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> You've, you, it's funny. It's a funny thing. Right. That you know, Gene Wolf kind of lifts the the curtain a little bit and gives you a wink, and then puts it back down. Right, and then you know, Severian's asking the middle, "Well, who are you really? Who are you? you I know you're you're Kakujin. I know you're wearing the mask that looks like you know uh, who who was the priest? Uh, In- the Henry. Oh, no, um, oh, Malrubius. Malrubius. I I know you're you know Master Malrubius. I know." This one is wearing a disguise as uh, Triskele. Uh, you know, who are you guys really? He's, I'm Malrubius, and this is Triskele. We pulled it right out of your brain. Yep. <laughs> brain scan. We figured out of all the people in your brain, 
Malrubius and Triskele would be the only ones you would actually listen to. <laughs> and the weird thing is, but we all know that um, that the Cacogens exist outside of time mm. or have some control of time because Malrubius and uh, Tricycle appear to him earlier on mm -hmm. when you think that it's hallucination. Right. Right, at the um, the first time he meet or the first time he performs with uh, Ball Enders and Doctor Zayas. <laughs> Doctor Zayas. <laughs> if you're terrible with names, you're gonna get lost in this. Yeah, movie. yeah. There's it definitely takes some getting used to. It's it, it's funny because in um, the Long Sun and the Short Sun, mm -hmm. he lists all the characters at the beginning of the book right. and what they do, but some of it is lies. <laughs> Uh, but it's very convenient to be able to like flip up to the front of the book and go, okay, that's it. Then we have then we have the revelation that all of this stuff is entirely cyclical. Yes. That there is always an autark and always a voterless character. Yes. In in the political drama. And you know, it's someone who hates the autark. And the autark really controls it all. Right. And it's and it's all it's all theater, right? In, in a very literal sense, we fight this never-ending war with our against the people of the North, who don't want humanity to be restored back to a spacefaring, you know, um, whatever it is in Star Trek type of civilization. Uh, and yet, you know, the Southerners, of which the Altark is arguably the, the leader of the leader of, but he's kind of a, he's kind of that uh, leader. In, in the uh, Laosish sense of the term. He's like an Illuminati leader. Right. He's kind of like everything he does is, you know, he's a puppet master type of character. Right. He can't. He, he, he needs to um, take on many roles in order to fulfill his functions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's actually, I'm glad you brought this up because one of the main themes in, in these books is irony. Mm -hmm. um, where the meaning, the literal meaning of irony, where what you, the meaning of something is not what it appears to be. Right. Uh, you know, just for example, Severian is the savior who mm -hmm. comes from a, a background of being a torturer. Right, right. He comes from the background of being a torturer. And, and pretty much everybody behind the scenes picked him for some reason, and everything was set into motion to put Severian exactly where he needed to be. Right. And and people knew it. I mean, the old Autark knew it, and the Autark before him knew it. Mm -hmm. Because they are, you know, communing with these things, these people that exist outside of time. Right. Who, you know, are, I guess, analogous to angels. For, yeah, for, for all intents and purposes, yeah. That's that's exactly what they are, and and that's the other thing is there's a huge blurring of um, the material and the spiritual, mm -hmm. um, and we're to the point where you can read this um, completely taking everything literally, mm -hmm. where you know it's space travel and alternate dimensions, and um, he even says at one point that the universe creates itself out of the ashes of the old universe and the inhabitants of the old universe are helping you along so that when their turn comes around again, they'll be helped along. Right. So it's, it's happened before, mm -hmm. you know, it happens every cycle. And there are, right. It's a, it comes along. The sun is reborn. The sun dies and the cycle begins again. Right, the, the heliotropes that we that Severian deals with, the cacogens and whatnot, um, were actually the humans in the previous cycle, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Right. So, and th that's a very literal sense, but there's also the spiritual sense where if you take it all to be allegory, where right. Severian is actually a spiritual, um, you know, savior as opposed to someone who's going to literally bring renew the sun. Right. And then you have um, why not both? <laughs> why why not both? Then you also have the a character like the Green Man, who is from the future, who comes back to help Severian, so that there is a future for him to exist in. 
Uh, I think that feature was made to exist when Severian pulled um, the scientists out of the last house. I think you had two opposing futures. You had the green man future where obviously the sun is reborn because he had, you know, he gets his energy from the sun with chlorophyll. Right. And then you have the Ragnarok world where the sun actually dies and they send scientists back to observe the coming of the ice. Right. And so in the choices that Severian makes, maybe it's because he freed the green man. Maybe it's because he, who knows, you know, because he does bring the sun back, you know, mm-hmm. that he goes to the other dimension and, and isn't emasculated and actually brings the sun back, that the Ragnarok uh, future doesn't exist. And I think it's the green man's way of thanking him, or like you said, ensuring that um, it actually happens because if he's not around, mm-hmm. it, it can't happen. And there's a lot of paradoxal stuff happening. I don't even get started on how many Severians there actually are. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Uh, that, when, I, I mean, I got it because, you know, that's, you know, I, time travel's been on my mind lately. <laughs> but this, this note, in fact, I, I'll tell you off the air because I don't want to give anything away concerning that particular project uh, right. in the podcast. But, you know, it was like, Okay, yeah, well, that kind of makes perfect sense. Abu Binchu? Yeah. And, and you know... And his other... ancestor in the, in the grave? Mm-hmm. He played in his own grave? Yeah. I mean, is that not like Lovecraft's wet dream? Uh, you know, that's... <laughs> I spent my childhood playing in my own grave. That's, you know, <laughs> that's, that's like... as timey-wimey as it gets. Yeah. What, what? Uh, Howard, why are your hands sticky? <laughs> mm, that was adequate. <laughs> oh, so many shout outs to Lehman Kessler. Oh, I was shouting out to the actual um Lovecraft. <laughs> I, I know. I know you were that's like, like how many how many Lovecraft stories are there of like he like plays in the grave and it's his ancestor. Right. Ba-boom. But this takes it a step further. His ancestor is himself. Ah, Cosmic horror. Ah! I know. And with Gene Wolfe, it's just like a matter of fact thing. I am my own great great grandfather. <laughs> and, and with Lovecraft, it's like, and now I must hang myself. <laughs> right. And, and Gene Wolfe's like, suck it, Matt Groening. <laughs> <laughs> Fry is the conciliator. There's a fan theory for you. Actually, he was in a way. Because he was his own grandfather, mm. he lacked um, gamma waves or beta waves or something in his brain, and he was able to not become stupid when the brains invaded. Uh. Fry is the conciliator, <laughs> god damn it. There you go. Now the motherfucker. <laughs> That's it's all right. connected. And the torturers it's, live in the Planet Express ship. It's all connected. It's all connected. Everything that has ever been written is That's one. Right gigantic so, interconnected story. Goddamn snoo snoo. Get on it. With velour. Everything. There's a lot going on in this book. <clears throat> yeah. A lot of uh a lot of uh butterfly flaps his wings, tidal waves and on the other side of the world type of stuff. Yeah. Which is which is fine. No, uh, it's one it's one of the reasons there there are a few authors Mm-hmm. That I can reread and reread and reread and not get sick of their materials. Um, Gene Wolfe is is probably the best of them all, um, but I've been reading and rereading the Book of the New Sun since like the late eighties, early nineties, mm-hmm. and every few years I pull it out and reread it. Maybe Gene Wolfe's the torturer. Gene Wolfe is the conciliator. Well, possibly. So I mean, in a nutshell. Because you know this is also a tribute to Gene Wolfe. I just wanted to thank Gene Wolfe wherever wherever he ends up being um, for you know the the hours and hours and hours of confusing reading mm-hmm. that you give everyone, and how you helped define the internet by creating much Pringles. inspiring much much Usenet content <laughs> and Pringles and Pringles. I, I had Pringles. Yesterday. Excellent. 
while I was read, uh, reading Citadel of the Autark. See, that's some timey-wimey shit right there. Mm-hmm. All right, so that does it for our uh, look at uh, Gene Wolfe in the Book of the New Sun. Uh, definitely, if you have not read it, you know, yes, that was a bunch of spoilers, but trust me, by the time you get through it, you won't. Re- you you might remember some of the things we're talking about, and yeah. we're discussing stuff all out of order. And and, and really, you're gonna go on on the internet and ask questions, and you're gonna get shit spoiled for you anyway when you're reading it. It's just right. inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's no way there's no way of uh, getting away from spoilers. Uh, you can't but- talk about Gene Wolfe without talking about spoilers or you, you, you all you'd right. just be saying is remember when oh yeah and then the oh yeah we could say that the and the. Then, you know you get an hour of people saying the and of the 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 severian the of that's the, spoiler <laughs> no because i didn't provide the 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 footnote under severian are we talking about severian number 1 number 2 or number 6 the sixth Severian. Severian is Doctor Who. Severian the kid, Severian the lame, Severian the clone. See, you haven't read Earth of the New Sun, but there's a clone in there somewhere. Oh boy. I forgot what he called what he calls clones in this thing. All the cloned hookers. Life model decoys. <laughs> Severian is an agent of shield. <laughs> Welcome, Mr. Fury. <laughs> You think you are alone, but there's a much larger universe out there. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So, yep, that's it for Gene Wolf, Book of the New Sun. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time around. Keep 30 luck points. <laughs>